Okay, I'm here with Ellery James Roberts. He's up in Manchester. I'm in Mexico. And we're both wearing versions of robes, I guess. I, I went for a morning swim this morning, and I'm a little chilly from it. So I'm wearing a shirt, which I'm not normally doing. And I think you just like got out of the shower or something. So you're wearing like a silk something yeah. kimono kind of thing, right? So down. Love it. Yeah, Love yeah, it. Fancy. Down. <clears throat> well, thanks for hopping on. And uh, we were just going over our like respective corona quarantine situations and you and ebony are up in uh so you've been two months just the two of you right yeah yeah it's um i mean it's a strange thing it kind of feels like a, a long dream you know like it's hard to yeah. believe uh, two months has passed i guess it's the repetition or the sort of the the every day kind of feeling the same kind of flow but um but we live in the countryside kind of uh about an hour north of manchester so it's uh it's it's a fine place to be you know we've got plenty of freedom the uh sort of the the authority of a lockdown hasn't really met us oh that's um, cool so you got nature yeah. yeah yeah we're just by a river and a kind of forest hills like it's, it's pretty open so um, are you normally a routine person like do you have a regiment do you wake up and have a like things that you do first before you get into your day do you have like do you have rituals do you have routines normally and and has that yeah. changed being in quarantine um so yeah, so uh, I do, we do together, both me and Ebony have uh, quite, I guess after doing the life I've been leading for the past kind of 10 years or so, um, you sort of learn what puts you in the right headspace, what makes you uh, in that presence where you feel like creating and feel like working on, on your yeah, songs and that. So um, initially when the quarantine began, I kind of ignored it. You know, I was just like, oh, this is going to pass in a week or two. This is just like, uh, it's nothing. Um, sure. So I just kind of carried on as as usual. And then probably after two weeks or so, I started feeling a bit, I don't know, burnt out, I guess, just reading a lot of heavy stuff, like thinking about it in this wider context way. And sort of fell out of routine in a way of Ebony just sort of saying to me, like, stop, you know, just, just take take some time out this is abnormal times you know don't pretend that everything's normal and just you're just going to carry on right um and, and that was about the same time as we kind of realized all the money that we sort of were relying on coming in wasn't going to come in so we were sort of like damn we've got i think we all had uh, both of those moments you know i i know i did yeah, yeah where yeah. i had the first moment where i was like oh this is this is not like a thing that happened for 48 hours and now passed. This is no, 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 wait a second. I need to think about the next few months and potentially long-term effects. And then the, yeah, right after that, it's like, Oh, wait a second. All that stuff I was working on for the last few months that I thought I was going to make money in this way is not going to happen. Mm. Boy, what do I do? Yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, that's exactly where we were. So, you know, and it's so like me, just kind of headstrong, sort of like Capricorn mentality. I'm just going <laughs> to carry on working on working on my business. Yeah. Um, suddenly it was like my business. So, um, 
But yeah, so that was then. And then the past month, actually, I think it's just over a month now, I got back onto a quite uh, strong new morning routine, waking up at 5.55, magic hour. And um, cool. I've gone to taking ice cold showers for five minutes straight away, which, you know, I'm a I did a morning skin. swim this morning. I did a, a nine, not 5.55, but I woke up, you know, like <laughs> and I was in the water. I, I just found... Um, yeah, I mean, it, it changes your life, really. Yeah. I found, I was always, you know, like uh, a little fearful of getting cold, being in uh -huh. such a skinny frame that I was always like, I get cold and then I stay cold, you know, I'm going to be a bit of a wuss, you know, a bit of a wimp around the cold. But I sort of realized or set an intention just to do it. And it's more of a, like a play of willpower, just getting up and going straight in the shower, even if you're a little Sundays, which is, you know, Nothing happens on a Sunday. Been keeping a six day. And then we do yoga, meditation, pranayama. Like we're quite, uh, quite thorough in the morning time. That's really cool. I mean, I, I had the, maybe I had the realization of, of the power of like that cold shower a few years ago. I think I was living in Los Angeles when it was warm. I've had, so I have fucked up skin. I we've probably talked about this. Mm. So like, I'm super, like my whole day is kind of defined by like what state my skin is in. And part of that living in cold and changing weather for most of my life, like New York uh, is, and, and you have similar mm. weather up there. Um, you know, the mornings have been a challenge for me for my whole life of like getting into my day of how do I, um, you know, just getting into that shower is really hard for me because sometimes it irritates my skin and my temperature control has, has, has really gotten, you talk about a skinny frame. Like we both, like I have zero body fat at this point. Like, and yeah, so temperature affects me like crazy and getting myself into the water, into the ocean here in the morning is, I mean, it's, it's a, uh, it's like, like I'm, I'm talking to myself while I'm hyping myself up while doing it. And I'm doing breathing. I'm doing like, like coffee breathing. I'm going, I'm like doing that. To, to, to rev myself up and I, when I take that yeah. when I take cold showers I do the same thing um for me you know I have the luxury of being by the ocean so instead of a cold shower I'm going into the ocean but uh today yeah, yeah, yeah. I started my day I got up and I did like exercise to the point of sweat like I just did like 10 minutes you know and then I went right into the ocean and man I feel I can do it. Like I can conquer the fucking universe right now. Like yeah, I feel yeah, incredible. Yeah. Two days ago, I was like, eh, I was just so sluggish. And today for some reason I, I got, when I do that, when I get up and I do like exercise, I, I, I love to do like a, a hardcore, but like just getting to the point of sweat and then going into the cold and then having tea after those uh, going hot, cold hot means i'm i can i can i can conquer the world indeed indeed yeah i mean it's just for me just that uh, determination on your kind of willpower level yeah. this was uh, real important do do a couple of uh, star jumps that's what i worked out do like a minute of star jumps then totally. get in a cold shower and you're fine yeah um 
it's all in the head, you know, most of the time. But it's interesting to say feeling sluggish. We've, uh, both me and Ebony have been talking about it recently, just this past couple of days is like going from a very motivated kind of focused energy to suddenly being in a bit more of a, uh, yeah, like a reluctance to apply yourself kind of energy. And um, she, she did this astrology um, conference for a week, two weeks ago, and she's been kind of following all this on a, on a, I don't know what you call that, like a planetary level, cosmic okay. level, kind of level. Um, I'm talking about this, like a lot of planets going into retrograde now. Um, and it, we're entering a period that is very well if this moment wasn't already like a introversion is it's even more so is like a moment for for not like firing away trying to get things done to really take your time and to really um cool yeah think it think it through in depth i guess reflect on what you're actually trying to achieve with it well um, i relate so deeply to the two of you you know you and i like we i'm i'm I've told you a million times, like, like I'm so thankful that like we've been able to get to know each other and spend some time together because I've, you know, both I've seen from afar your kind of arc and the way that, that the two of you have come together and shifted that arc in such a dramatic way, a beautiful way. And, and then being able to spend time together personally, um, you know, you, I would say have been on track to, embrace this moment for a while and i i I think i have too (laughs) where like Mm. you have really decisively focused on a lot of the stuff out there that you've had the opportunity to engage with you know you've had the you've had the music industry by the horns you've had big crowds you've had any label collaborate you've had all these things you know and you've Mm. gone in this other direction and that's why I connect with you because I you know I kind of did a similar thing like I had a big job and I had the ability to go put anything make anything popular and and it just you know I didn't like being there and I'm it took a Mm. while to figure out where to go next and a lot of that was was quiet and so mm. I felt when the world, you know, in, imposed this quiet upon us, I felt, you know, really um, ready. I didn't feel challenged by it. I felt like, oh, cool. Like I get to do this mm-hmm. without interruption, this thing that I already know mm. how to do. So I imagine the two of you, like, really, I don't know, uh, you tell me, but like, you probably had ebb and flow, but like, I imagine you two being super, super like ready for this moment. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's a lot of truth in that in the sense, the way we have chosen to lead our life has been, I guess it comes to like a question of values as well. You know, it's like the, the stuff that, we find fulfilling or gives a sense of purpose or yeah. uh, or even a, enlivens you has led us to where we are i think coming into this moment we have sort of been anticipating to a certain extent obviously not a, a, a virus or something like this but that the world is going to need to shift gears um 
Oh yeah, that's a whole nother thread because you've been speaking about yeah, the environment yeah, yeah. for so long. That's like a whole nother way that you've been prepared. Yeah. Sure. So so in in that way is it's sort of this question is like, okay, so we are suddenly in that moment, this mm-hmm. moment that we've uh, conceptually been brooding on, you know, and people have, you know, there's a lot of talk around it, like people talking it up in its grand profound uh, profundity this moment you know or or it's it's a virus it's bizarre it's like it's unexpected it has nothing to do with you know climate change or people living in right right way with the planet um so so yeah so i don't know exactly like i think we were as geared towards making new projects and that was going to be what we were doing for the next 18 months as the next musician artist so i think in that way we're still as like derailed as like oh wait what we were planning to do probably isn't the going to be what we're going to be spending our time on um or you know potentially isn't like um and yeah and just questioning things as well like the pain points of this uh situation you kind of realize your vulnerability um, just like uh, from financial to just like the the infrastructure the support system that Absolutely. keeps you afloat and then suddenly you're like um yeah it brings all these again like conceptual like idealized maybe romantic maybe a bit naive thoughts really to the surface where you're like actually i think this has been one of the main um reflections for me in this moment is like how do i show up and contribute something that is bringing something to society there isn't just sort of this like lone wolf Great, character yeah. who's like getting getting his kicks, but not really, um, you know, venting venting his angst, but not really bringing. So has that shifted your creative focus in a sense of like I, I wrote a I wrote like a long article on the, along these lines last week that that was in mm. music business worldwide, and I was talking about like you know start with like what is what do you really, really, really want to express? You know, what do you want others to understand in the world and about you that like you get their attention for, you know, for two seconds, like, what do you want to use that for? And does that actually like, does the world need it? You know, is it, is it, is it vital? And I was talking last night. I was, it was funny. I was like, like the wrong person to go off on because he's like my favorite teacher from growing up and stuff. And he's like brilliant mind. And he was talking to me about DJ live streams. And I was like, no, (laughs) I like went off on it. And I didn't mean to like Mm. give him the wrath of my criticism because he's so not the one who should get that. It just, he came into it. But like, you know, I was just like, I only want to work on things that are vital, both for me and the world. Like, Mm. I think that a lot of the, you know, you say venting the angst, like it kind of, it feels different today. Mm. Like it might be a little embarrassing almost to just like, I'm going to make something, you know, that's just totally singular. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Which again is like, I think it's this sense that people suddenly become very aware of the the sort of the web of life that, that, that holds everything together mm-hmm. and um you know to 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 sort of um it feels almost a little self-indulgent um yeah so i guess yeah this is this thing where it's like i, I mean i follow uh 
the Nick Cave red hand files. I was literally, yo, I have four notes. I want, I'd said to you before that like, this is, I want this to be like super free form. And like, I know that you and me can just riff on stuff. Note number two is red hand files. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Cause I know we both read it. I mean, it's really beautiful. It really reminds me of today was beautiful. Is there a new one? I've not, I've not oh, seen. Oh yeah, it reminds me of that um, letters to a young poet. What's that? The uh, right, right, Ralke. Never know how he's pronounced his name. But R- just yeah. his, his tone of writing is, is it's like a, a great solace. Patron Saint Nick. Um, anyway, Here, I'll what, give what you. I'll give you today. The right, poet um, David White wrote: "The fear of loss is the motivator behind all conscious and unconscious dishonesties." I found there to be. After my son died and I eventually stepped from the darkness back into the world, I brought with me a gift that I feel I am only beginning to understand. The Mm -hmm. gauntlet with a gift in it, as Elizabeth Barrett Browning so beautifully wrote. I felt that my family and I had been tested and that we had survived. And this gift I carried was the freedom to be honest with myself and with others as there was nothing left to conceal. The protective shell that I had constructed around myself, my old life, had been torn away. I had been exposed and I had nothing left to defend. The gift in the gauntlet was a new and raw honesty toward myself and toward the world. Because, you see, the world had done its worst. worst. What harm was left to be done? What remained to fear? What was left to lose that I could not survive? I felt extraordinarily liberated by this, protected by the calamity itself, and perversely invincible within my own vulnerability. Deception, artifice, and keeping up appearances took up too much energy. I didn't have the stamina for my own pretense and little patience for it in others. Honesty is simply a declaration of one's own vulnerability. It is its keen, bright edge, and my own vulnerability and the vulnerability of others became, in the end, a kind of shared armor. I learned that ultimately our own truth and sense of self is all any of us have. We are enough if we could only allow ourselves to be. There's more, but that's enough. Yeah, I mean, that says it all, really. Mm. Um, it's so interesting. I mean, it's tragic, obviously, but I feel Nick Cave's work after the death of his son just became transcendent in this way. It's like it speaks wow, yes. so deeply to um the humanity in in all of us that before you know there's like obviously there's the intimate moment the kind of swagger and bravado and then suddenly to feel this fragility um and then it just translates in in the new music the new songs and then the way he's been writing with his red hand files like everything he spoke to there just to to the gift that came you know such a mythological narrative almost the gift that came in such hardship and such tragedy um yes. was that ability to to strip it all away and i guess that really goes to the essence of what you we were just kind of riffing towards was without the the uh, i don't know the self-indulgence it is simply like you giving yourself you showing up and just giving yourself and in, in in a way that is um I don't know. True, I guess is all that you can say. Is it is it has value because it contains within it some truth. You're not trying to convince somebody of something or sell somebody something. You're you're just being what you are. Um, 
you know, within a creative sphere, I feel like that is, is, is the power. That's my frame of, of good art. I, I've said this for a while, you know, the art that I want to experience is the art of suffering that someone goes through something and then they formulate it, they, they use form, which art, artifice, to make something to translate mm. it to others. So I suffer mm. and then I process that and I make it into something to provide the wisdom of that suffering to others. Uh, mm. As you were speaking, uh, it reminded me also what Ebony <laughs> said she was listening to this morning, Michael Gira, Angels of Light, Swans. Mm. And the title of the Swans book is Sacrifice and Transcendence. And that's it, you know? It's like, that's how you make things, sacrifice and transcendence. Mm -hmm. You have to, I've said, like a film that I wrote is like, you have to be willing to kill yourself. You have to be willing to die, but you have to be willing to kill yourself. That's that shower at, you know, at, at 5.55 AM. Like it's a death <laughs> in a way. It's a death of mm. the other version of your day, of the sluggish mm. day, of the ease. It's a harder day. But that sacrifice leads to that transcendence. Nick Cave, I mean, he sacrificed something. It's, it's, it's funny we're talking about this because I, I had a ceremony last night here. Um, a child died uh, now eight days ago. I was, I was there and it was mm. brutal, like a terrible, terrible accident. Uh, I recorded my, my thoughts on it in episode two. And we did this Buddhist ceremony last night. We did the, the Catholic funeral uh, in the middle of the week. And we did a Buddhist ceremony last night. And, you know, I shared uh, the red hand files from today with some of the people who were there. Mm. Uh, one of which uh, one family law had lost their son in the past a few years mm. ago and then was there and watched this nine-year-old boy die the other day. You know, Nick Cave lost his son and started making, you know, his music is just, it's, it's, it's something that never, he, all of his music was something that never existed before, but, you know, Skeleton Tree and Ghostine, like, oh they're my just, God. There's something about them where they've just oh. moved into a different sphere. And it's, yes. it's, it's hard to even grasp what it is because the record before that, uh, Push the Sky Away, was was beautiful and had these moments on it, but it just, it feels like, it, it makes me think of, you know, like when Coltrane was going towards uh, like Ascension and that with mm. uh, Valis Coltrane, just like really like stepping outside of the, the formula that they had developed. It just, um, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. I think, uh, I mean, life, when it's put in the perspective of death, of that finality of endings, um, mm -hmm. take, takes on new meaning. I mean, that's, I guess, the, the I heard somewhere something, I think it's like a Gnostic thing or something, but it's like to learn to die before you die is basically the teachings of spirituality. Oh, wow. You know, it's like that's yeah, the, yeah. the core of it. Um, so, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, what have you, what moments in your, because you've, out of the people, if I, if I, needed to reference someone who understands this you know you're it and you you know you haven't had a child die but you've had mm -hmm. you've had you, you've had shit and you've you know you've gone in and out 
you've gone into the darkness and mm. brought something back. What, yeah. Tell me, like, what? Yeah. I mean, so, so the only real story that I could tell on that level is something I've never really spoken on. But when I was 14, I basically had a near-death experience of nearly uh, drowning in the sea. Um, and that was sort of to the point of like letting, letting go. And at sort of the last moment um, in which I had sort of found like a peacefulness, gone from a struggle to a peacefulness, um, I was rescued by a surfer. And, um, and you wow. know, it was like I was, a, I was an arrogant city boy going uh, um, just with my family in the north of France and um, went out into the ocean. Uh, and like a very uh didn't know the sea didn't know the there were big waves i was quite good at surf, could see and, and um anyway so um that sort of left this very i i i try and recall it and i sort of remember the the profound feeling of kind of acceptance and peace and warmth and light at the end of the struggle of being like like at first like oh this is a bad situation then being like fuck i don't want to die like yeah. what's going on I'm, I'm literally dying here and then you're like i'm dying i'm dying and then you get to this point where you're just like sinking down um and so i mean that was i was 14 and it stayed with me i didn't see you know angelic gates i kind of felt like a warmthfulness and then you was you passed out like you were unconscious in the water i think like how how'd you say yes ish i was semi-conscious you know okay. i was like i wasn't i was not um i don't know you know all i remember yeah, it's is a getting blur, to this yeah. point and then being put back on a uh surfboard and just sort of brought back into shore mm -hmm. from this uh rip current that was dragging me out into the ocean um so that always stayed with me and then over my kind of love sort of self-sabotaging kind of um frustration you know rather than any profundity other than i feel like this experience gave me a, a sense of a value and meaning and purpose in life like a, a burning desire to live um yeah. that found every figure of authority every figure of sort of a dominate dominated society the culture we lived in you know just basically finding lots of people to come into conflict with was sort of the story of my teens to early 20s um and then working with ebony and just being in a relationship with ebony i always say working with ebony but we're in a relationship first and foremost um sort of opened me up spiritually and opened me up into a much more kind of acceptant loving space um and then there's just a final sort of chapter to it all which was last october which was too surreal and I still can't really process it fully but we were with some friends with this group of people that we sing uh, Kirtan which is like a Vedic Hindu devotional songs um, in Portugal um, and it was like a week-long retreat uh, into Nada Yoga like the science of sound and frequency and meditation and stuff like this and uh, the last day um, we went to the beach and we arrived at the beach. My first thoughts of the beach was like, wow, this is a very similar looking beach to the beach I almost drowned on. Like it looked 
the 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 shape of the cove was exactly so you, the same. You kept so way... a lot of it, yeah. And then um, we went into the sea. We ran into the sea, like the younger ones in the group all ran into the sea. And then, I mean, it's just a real tragic thing. But our friends Danny and Kim, who are part of the group, they're in a relationship uh, together. They got pulled out on a rip current oh, and man. drowned. And we were just. Uh, you know, it's just a situation where you're just like on the beach watching it unfold. And I was having this weird deja vu the whole time because suddenly it was like, what's that? You know, it's like revisiting a traumatic experience course, from yeah. a different perspective. And you had repressed aspects of it that all of a sudden, well, yeah, up. You know, yeah, it just connects. It just, like it felt too surreal. It all felt like a bizarre oh dream. God. You know, like a horrific dream. And yeah, to have and, gone through it, to know the vocabulary of that mm, trauma and then have it recur mm, with people you love. That's Yeah, yeah. And they're wow. just, you know, really beautiful young couple, um, just of like thirty three, just a few years older than us. And oh and we had, you know, this this whole week of singing this curtain, this chance is incredibly heart opening, you know. We were I we were crying, you know, like tears were already there just through the the release of the music and then to have that experience at the sort of the end of it was it was too much really i guess it's something that um, still you, you you feel like you hold hold it forever but then life comes back to you and you you know the mundanities take over but it's still like even trying to talk about it now i just kind of feel a bit welled up and sort of there's not really much to say other than it stays with you its presence is with you and and um and again it gives you like that burning desire for life in the face yeah. of death you know it's like uh, yeah what else is important so um i don't know i guess i've just been for whatever reason on the, this path of life where these things have sort of uh appeared before me i wouldn't want to think i've attracted them but um you know it's uh yeah and i feel creatively i try and um channel like you were saying just before to like channel that suffering but also that sort of joy and sort of what do you say like the empowering ecstasy of living mm -hmm. in the face of death as the sort of the the foundation to the you know like that feels like the the root of the roar that comes out of me when i sing you know was there in the transition from your first music project your first group to the to the duo mm -hmm. was that natural was that easy was that a death what you know how did that feel oh for yeah you? i mean that was a a big death i think one that at a year age of 21 um i i sort of it was sort of, it was like a, a suicide death. It wasn't like somebody uh -huh. killed it. It was like I killed myself off in a, yeah, yeah. In, a uh, in a way that was quite, um, I don't know, like self-sabotaging. I just kind of reeled, reeled off. I sent me in a tailspin more than like a, like I do something different with my life. You know, um, for quite a few years, I had a lot of uh, conflict, inner conflict about, I don't know about why why I had done it, why I did it in the way that I did, you know, all these things. Why you um, built the project the way you did or why you deconstructed it the way you did? Well, I mean, the thing with real life was it was like, it started 
it was a band with college friends and then i was yeah. making this art project for my coursework in college um where i basically did all the artwork envisioned the band sort of stylized everything you know as it was i was really into like the klf and stuff like this like conceptualizing yeah. a band and and then the band existed in these two worlds where it's like me on the internet with the concepts and then the four you know white boy mancunians making music in uh, joe's basement so that so that had this like double bind where um for me the band felt like it was almost two things it was like the conceptual thing that was like my world and then my world uh -huh. with the manager um yeah. and then there, there was this like conflict and resentment with the rest of the band where they're like it's not about that you know it's about the tunes mate and I found fundamentally it was about the songs you know like people got into our music because the songs and the energy of the songs and the spirit of it was good i at the time thought it was all because of the stuff i was doing so you know, to give to give a little stuff. context to this for those i mean i think a lot of my peers remember these moments but uh for anyone a refresher course and for anyone else like woo life was this <laughs> this moment in the music art world and the industry both because it converged it was you know if you think of like the XX and the weekend. It was like the three, those three, I would say, it, it, around the same, you know, the same couple years. And it was completely mysterious. So, you know, you, you speak of this, this dichotomy and we weren't aware of it. We weren't aware of any dichotomy. It wasn't revealed to us. We, there was a website and we could go and read Ellery's writing, look at these images and listen to music that would come up and down, sometimes be removed. And we really had no idea. Every record label wanted to sign. There were a few songs that, 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 were, that were put out through the website. And correct me if I'm like doing any injustice, by the way, to the story. But uh, no, the no, whole sorry. industry was flipping out and you know trying to track these kids down no there were tons of rumors about who it was and like what they were really talking about there was anarchy there was communism there was all these all these political things that people were attributing to it and it was it was really really cool because there was text to it and i don't just mean text like literal writing but th there was just there was meat that you could chomp into uh, with The weekend and with the XX, it was all about the mystique. And it was, oh, we hear these songs and we get one image, you know, and that's it. And it's just like, what's it going to be? And that was, that was super cool. But for someone with a multifaceted interest in art, the Wu Life project was brilliant and exciting and dynamic because you could dive in. I remember when like I was, you know, doing A&R stuff and everyone was like, so you talk about like, it's about the songs, bro. Like I was like, what is this really about? I was looking at it and I, cause I care, you know, now we've connected in the last few years over like, we like films and we like reading philosophy and stuff like that. And, and this just really spoke to me because I loved the music. The music got me hyped. I mean, the phrase that like go tell fire to the mountain is just an epic phrase. Like those words put together is just like, I can't believe that's the first time that combination of words came and I'll never, like, that's my peak. Like, holy fucking shit. You put those words, go tell fire to the mountain. Like, 
just that's enough. And there's just so much feeling to the Wu Life project and and now so much more with the Lost Under Heaven project now that you've you know opened the gates a little bit. But just like this was the ultimate sort of tease of like a, an artistic world. And it combined with the hype cycle, like you, you, you worked the hype cycle in a way to get people to give a shit about art and philosophy and ideas. And that was so cool. And listening mm. to the records now, or the one record, you know, the one album is like, it's just, it's just filled, it's imbued with so mm. much feeling and meaning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, if I jump in on the story there. Yeah, I'm sure like, I butchered it, but you know. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you sort of said how it was and um, sort of the. Uh, From an outsider. How it kind I of flowed. Yeah, but I mean, it was the first like uh, six to 12 months of it was this um, internet based conceptual band with the occasional song. And then we got like all this hype and we got a bunch of money through signing a publishing deal to universal publishing which i remember at the time being like we fucking sold out um we went and recorded this record and we were like we want to make a live album and we want to record it in a church so we found a church and we recorded a live album in the church and i feel like at that point everything was super pure mm -hmm. incredibly genuine we we're like 19 turning 20 we made this record in this church it was two weeks it was perfect and then you know i put the artwork together which was basically all the stuff i had already made in um college you know it was just the college uh, artwork that i made for that project and then we started to play more shows and then we started to tour and this is where and this is such like a cliche story but it's where it all started to unravel um, you know, it was received and it went further and you know people we got to America we got like things started to build and build we were playing like we played Coachella just before Ocean yeah band um, but the whole sort of 18 months or whatever it was that we were on this like album cycle once the album was made I just started spiraling inwards and like every night just lay in my bed being like I want to stop this. I hate this, you know. Mm. Um, and I, it's even hard for me now to really place like what the the uh, distaste was. Um, but it was there, and I couldn't escape it. And you know, the rest of the band were like, "Come on, man, we're, we're having the time of our lives. Like, enjoy this." And I was just sinking deeper and deeper into this depression, and just really feeling very like, um, yeah, like this deep inner conflict. Uh, that really soured everything. And so this is why I guess it took me a, a long while to sort of get myself sort of together after it, because I was like, I made everything I wanted to make. I invented it, it came out of my mind. I did it exactly how I wanted it to be. I went out into the world and I just sort of like hate it and then shot myself <laughs> and stepped away from it, you know? Um, and I don't know, like, trying to unpack all that is like I've just chosen to move forwards and embrace life with Ebony and, and create Where did Ebony projects. come in on that timeline? So, I mean, it's funny talking through this because 
I just wrote for the first time um, this uh, like short essay for our patrons because we're doing the series, sharing a, a demo and, and a little reflection. So I've sort of put into words for the first time. This There's exact, a, a Lost uh, Under Heaven moment, Patreon uh, that they've been releasing demos and oh, yeah. writing and, and videos behind the scenes things. Uh, what I call just like philosophy pieces, their ideas. Uh, it's it's awesome. Um, particularly, they've put out, and this was a note that I wanted to get into uh, eventually. But like different demo versions of I and I, for example, their first single. There's like a really short stripped down one, and then there's a huge, mm. huge long one that goes in a brand new direction, or not new, but but different direction. Um, anyway, uh, please, well, yeah, uh, yeah. we'll talk about that after. <laughs> Oh, right. so, so yeah, so, so, sorry, sorry. So, so, so where, it's, it's, where um, this all came in on your right. timeline emotionally, you were in Coachella. Oh, yeah, so where Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so basically, essay, we came yeah. back from that, that we came back, like, real life came back from Coachella moment. So, big finale, did a US tour, all sold out shows or whatever around all these, you know, capacity venues and uh, got back to Manchester and it's like, okay, now we're going to make a new record, I guess. And at this point, the relations with everyone in the band were just really, really fractured and just like joyless. You know, I say in the text I wrote that it became like a cold war of just sarcastic cutting each other down. It wasn't like combative. It wasn't like a fight where we'd yeah. argue and it was like fiery and passionate. Knew it was, it was just like nasty yeah yeah it's just a situation i guess where everyone has lost creative respect for each other somehow or just respect for each other and it just so this just kind of uh was just a very very joyless situation to be in and for about four five months um i kind of spiraled around in manchester again kind of living worse and worse with like drink and drugs and yeah and it also culminated in me having a sort of a fight with this guy and getting a bottle of wine smashed on my arm uh, in the evening, um, without any, it was like these different friends I had from Wu Life. Anyway, that left me like quite severely cut, like this laceration in my arm that still I've got a bit of a numb hand from it. Anyway, I had to like retreat. I, I couldn't, you know, my hand was in a plaster. So I went back and stayed with my parents for a week. And then after a week or so, went back into Manchester, got, went to the hospital, got the like cast taken off and the stitches, put a thing, went back into this house that I was living in. There was sort of like a squat-ish building. It was like a really shady building. Um, and anyway, the house was empty. I was kind of expecting the house to be empty, but this girl, Ebony, oh. was sat in, the, sat in the kitchen. And I was just, you know, I was, I was sort of shy and instantly enamored i was like who, who is this girl and i was in in a really bad state like very uh, bad state of mind but anyway we kind of came together by the end of the evening and spent the weekend together in bed and then that was sort of the i don't know like a spark moment of me just being like i don't have to live this life you know i don't have to be living this wow. life in manchester there's there's worlds out there for me to 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 experience and that sort of, in a way, lit the fuse that just built over the next month or so to me just kind of stepping away from real life um, in a bit of a bizarre, like self-performative <laughs> uh, way, but which, again, just made 
made uh, matters worse in terms of relationships with friends. Because also the thing you have to understand with real life is they're like my closest friends. We were mm. like four, four guys that just spent all our time with each other and sort of were like a little gang that, you know, other than girlfriends, didn't really mix with anybody else. Um, so it was like, that was me sort of divorcing myself from everyone I really like knew and cherished in Manchester. Um, but yeah, so Ebony was like the breath of fresh air that just kind of gave a change. How aware was she of what you had, your history and what you were currently going through? Did you tell her, was she aware of it before or what? No, I mean, she she knew who Wu Life were um, through the notoriety, um, but I was I was not much of a, a talker about it at all at this point. So I think she just thought I was a kind of eccentric, wild guy that just was like had a lot of mad, restless energy. And mm-hmm. Ebony's got an incredibly uh, soothing personality. I mean, at the time we met, we kind of mirrored each other in our sort of oblivion, oblivion seeking. Like we were both quite in a dark headspace. Um, but she just, uh, I don't know, had an incredibly soothing quality on me, you know. Um, and that, uh, well, it, it certainly helped me not just uh, spiral out on this kind of, Sure. I just felt like with real life, like I was really into Kurt Cobain and uh, Ian Curtis when I was young. And I just felt like the life I was leading would just inevitably culminate, culminate in this like success as a band, complete depression. And <laughs> what's the conclusion there? You know? Right. Um, yeah. If you so, look at it, I mean, yeah. So, so, you know, I, I just, uh, I kind of, it, it really transformed my life stepping out of it, but for, you know that was 2012 and then it took until 2015 to release a new record i put occasional tracks out but i was just i was really for a long time just trying i was i was doing um internships with like people doing film shoots in london and i just had my mindset that i wasn't going to make any more music mm. but then i wrote this song cruise lamont and played it to our old the Wu life manager who was sort of like my co-conspirator in all the yeah. more conceptual stuff and he was just like you've got to release this song like this is a this is a big song so so that sort of launched uh, another thing um which i have been pursuing ever since i guess i remember my first uh first time i heard i was working at apple and I remember like being in my apartment. I have, the, it's a vivid memory. And it was before you and I knew each other. I think I, I had, oh yeah. So I like co-hosted your first Los Angeles show a few months later, but this would have been in 2015 when you put out I and I, or maybe 2016, whenever that was. But Matt Wilkinson did the Beats mm-hmm. One radio premiere and did a little intro mm-hmm. for the song and, you know, gave a little bit of the context, but like, it was just, you know, it was La, and it was I and I, and it was, it was kind of mysterious. And I heard it and I was just like, oh man, this is like my record. I love, like I, I instantly, and then I dove in and I realized, who, you know, who it was from and all of that, but it was Matt Wilkinson. It was that premiere on his radio show. That was the first time I heard it. Um, and mm-hmm. I didn't even know that you had a new project. It was, it was hearing that. And then, I, I was so 
activated by that, that like I reached out to my, I, I had a, an event in LA at the time and I reached out to Red Bull and I was like, I want to work on this show, blah, blah, blah. And I remember, and that was, we, we met for like two seconds at that show uh, in Los Angeles um, and spent more time in New York later. But I have that vivid memory. I remember where I was standing. Like, I remember, yeah, just like walk. I remember the moment, like hearing I and I for the first time. <laughs> it, it, it really connected to me immediately. Yeah. I listened to it again this morning. Like, like I went in the, I did my workout, went in the ocean, came back and put on your first album. I, I listened to both albums back to back, but like the beginning of the, you know, the, like those chords are just really, really beautiful. And they get me hyped. I was like, I was like, you know, it was really, I, I love those records. They get me super psyched. Have you, <laughs> Sorry, it's like tangent. <laughs> uh, have you feel free to like skip this? But uh, are do you talk to those guys anymore? Are you guys are you cool? Have you connected on any of your like newfound? Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it took a while. Um, I guess to trust each other again or me, them to trust me even but i i really cherish their friendship and um uh he's doing this project francis lung which is kind of like folk pop things which is really like the shit he loved like Bella yeah, Sebastian share it, stuff yeah. like this elliot smith so and you know we grew up together and so he's still uh, i had food with him before lockdown I think it was this year. Nice. Um, this year is bizarre. Evans yeah, yeah, and Jay. Yeah, I have like, no idea but, what year it is. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and so Evans and Jay, I'm good friends with uh, Joe's got this project with uh, Jono, our good friend, Menage Trois, making beautiful sort of uh, Saint-Tropez pop music. Nice. So, you know, we keep, we keep good. Evans did a philosophy degree. Like, Evans... Um, like interesting characters now. I enjoy I'm seeing sure. them. I don't see them very much, but we're on good terms now. Beautiful. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, today where I think, uh, you know, when we sat down in New York was when you were on your, was that the tour? Was that post second album release? Was the album out yet at that point? Yeah. I, th I think you no, had a few was... songs out. The album came out a few months later, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was our second record with an incredibly butchered album campaign that just went on and on. Well, so um, what I, you know, yeah, like that moment was when you, the two of you, I remember us talking about it and it was just like, you knew like this was not the future of your project. Like working with a record label mm. and releasing singles leading up to an album and then like touring it. Like you just knew that wasn't working. Like you were on that tour, but you knew it was broken. And today you have the Patreon and you're sort of diversifying what you're putting out. Talk to me a little bit about like what it is, you know, to be an artist, you know, today, you like, what is that? Mm. Yeah. I mean, so the, relationship with mute was fine they released our records and they sort of on the creative side were good they supported us um 
gave us lots of freedom and cash to make a record, which in this day and age is like, is, is big, is, is cool. Yeah. But, um, it just, when it came to the releasing of it, the, it just felt like they were completely out of step with the reality of, well, what is it, 20? 18, 19, the way records are released effectively, and even the way music's consumed, the way engaged people, the whole thing just felt like antiquated. It felt like we were trying to tick the boxes for, I don't know, 2002 or 1992. I don't know. But um, <laughs> it, it, just, it just felt... They, in felt, their defense, they put out some really good records in 1992. I mean, they put out <laughs> fantastic records. And I think it was, I think it was also... Um, this thing of like us being like a new band or there's i don't know there's been a bunch of complications that i kind of loved going into you know it's just like i think after real life there's this expectancy that what i did would be like monopolizing on real life by sort of pivoted in a direction wasn't at all yeah it wasn't that so that sort of killed off for the real life fans which left as sort of like this new band in this sort of sense but then we were like booking shows and being booked by people because they kind of knew the, the i don't know the quality of the work they knew the work to an extent that it was like above its pay grade um so i, I don't think so there's records with, like yours today like i don't hear people make there's you sit in this i think unique uh sound where you know you touch mm -hmm. on a lot of things that i that i listen to but you combine them and I don't, I can't name another artist like your two, the two lost under heaven albums are singular to me. Uh, they, they sit in like another rock genre that, you know, is not currently, I don't know. I can't mm. name anyone else that like, you know, I, car seat headrest yeah. is a total, totally different sound, but like, is the only mm. other one I can think of that like uses vocals and guitars to shed emotion in any mm. similar vein to you. And I, I, the, what you and Ebony do is something you're like the only ones you're like, you're like only lovers left alive is you two, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's the, uh, the pitch. I mean, thank you. I guess this is uh, sort of our blessing and our curse as well. It's like it's, it's been difficult. Right. Like, in what playlists sort of, do you go on? <laughs> exactly. In this Spotify core world of um, yeah. uh, sort of meek repetitions, we sort of sit a bit uncomfortably. And, and I think some the people who like our music really appreciate it for what it is. But I feel like that's a, it's not a, um, it's a particular, particular kind of person, you know. Um, so, yeah, so I, I don't even know where I was at in this. Well, we were talking about sort of the death of the regular album cycle. And, you know, mm, I, like, mm. you could feel free to just, just talk about, like, what sure. you're doing yeah, today, yeah, yeah. you know, like, with the Patreon and with all yeah. the stuff that you're releasing. I think it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so, yeah, perfectly. Is We decided to start working with Mute. And we had been nurturing this relationship with uh, Vayview, which is a blockchain uh, video platform and we had sort of negotiated this um deal i'm also the band's manager by the way so um, <laughs> you know, i do the negotiations we got to this point with them and they were gonna you know invest a good amount of money in us which would allow us to create our art at a high level you know give music video budget it'd give studio time um 
and they weren't asking for anything other than we use their platform to promote it. Um, so, so this was like a dream situation. This was end of 2019. This money is now uh, in Limbo. <laughs> so we're, uh, we're, we're, you know, that's the, uh, the dream that hasn't yet materialized. But nonetheless, we started thinking about it and they, they gave us this like within this pitch, this possibility is uh, making a, a web series. Like a, we envisioned this thing where we could release music, release new videos, but in a very free form experimental way whilst we made a new record. Um, so we started that, launched in January, Love Unites Humanity, which felt really good. It felt like a real like new beginning, new wave. And what they're doing sort of wants to become supersede uh, something like Patreon, something like YouTube. It'll become, you know, that's their vision is like to make the, 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 the web 3.0 app that combines all these things. Um, but they're not there yet. And we have no money to, to, to create. But so this is why we came into Patreon um, in March. We were like, uh, from a certain necessity, we we're like, well, we literally have no money coming in. I mean, let's just put it out there. Maybe people are going to want to support us. And people have. And, and it's created this really interesting, for me, energizing and interesting dynamic of like intimate dialogue and connection with people who sort of deeply care about what we're doing. They're not just like passive, which I feel is the trouble of most contemporary music is it's just like passive consumption. Um, I, yeah, completely agree. I, I, it, um, it's not, um, let me frame it. It's a fact. It's, you know, passive consumption is a reality. It always has been. It's similar the way that, like, rather than trying to solve passive consumption, just acknowledge that it's there and work toward mm. active. And, you know, a great uh, How to Dress Well explained it to me in a way that was so, you know, synthesized that Spotify playlisting, just think about, you know, radio and Netflix and like, and television. Back in the day when we were kids, you came home, you turned on the TV. When you get in the car, you turn on the radio. You don't come home and put on this, you know, the Paul Thomas Anderson film. You don't get in the car and put on the Lost Under Heaven record. You turn on the radio. Uh, not everyone. I personally, I put on the Paul Thomas mm. Anderson film. I put on the Lost <laughs> Under Heaven record. I'm an active listener. I'm not normal though. I'm very, you know, I'm one in a thousand. Most people, so mm. that behavior, what happened, even when you were given the ease, we thought, some people thought that once you were given, once you didn't have to bring the CD, once you could have access to anything that you would pick exactly what you want, you know, rather than just be that passive, just turn on the radio. When you could stream any movie that you want to stream rather than just putting on a random, whatever's on the new trending Netflix thing, but that's not what people mm. wanted. They wanted to just feed me something that, you know, passes the time in the way that I've grown accustomed to passing time. And that's most mm -hmm. listeners. Uh, yeah, that's just how they are. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we could do anything about that. I think that's just the way it is. And we have to focus on, you know, the rest. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, so that's sort of what I see is, you know, that is the context. And then the question is, so what do you do? You know, like, because it's, it's right. like deeper than a level of like, algorithmic manipulation 
you yeah, know, like people no are fed what, what people well people are fed what the machine wants them to be fed essentially mm-hmm. um so i feel like what we that's do why i left my job stands, at apple because it's all consolidation and it's all just yeah. about having control having the machine control my job at apple was exactly what you described with the blockchain company actually was I'm going to give artists mm. stuff. I'm going to give them resources to make stuff. And we're just going to be the ones, we're just going to be the center of the best stuff. And that's it. And that's mm. how we win. Cause all the best stuff is coming from us period. And we mm. have the best artists mm. here and the, it will just, it will work. That wasn't enough. And you know, and we have what we have now where everyone has to control everything. And yeah yeah it's sort of like that battle i don't know it's like that battle or that fight has have have we given up on it this is what i question to myself is like have we given up on fighting that fight and we're just going to accept the situation or are we going to come up with a way you know it's like there's infinite possibility the universe is unmanifest possibility it's like the idea hasn't come into my head yet but maybe it'll come into somebody's head of a way in which it, uh, you can usurp that dominator form that the kind of platform capitalism becomes so um so we have a patron <laughs> we share demos with our patron which yeah. at the moment is is a really enjoyable exercise and it, it feels a good thing to build um it's not the one and all solution to what will come um but we're which, I mean, in this limbo space now of, of the pandemic. Yeah, you know, we don't lockdown, know what's coming kind of thing, It's like double, it is, yeah. It's so unknown. So, um, yeah, so we have, I've, I mean, I've written two new, two new records. I realized that they're two new records now. They're going to be one long record, but I thought, you know, probably the algorithm would explode. So hmm. two short, two shorter records. Um, anyway. I'm, I've got them written. I'm working on the production and the vocals Amazing. and building them up. So exciting! I'm, I'm super excited by the new music. The question then comes: So how do I put it into the world? You know, um, without a record label to slow things down, I could put them out. You know, at the end of the summer. But is that a strategically a good thing to do? Does it make sense to? You have all the resources you need to record, right? Well, that's the thing also. Uh, kind no, of. Okay. <laughs> I yeah, know yeah, some yeah. studio No, for me, recording music costs me, costs me money. You know, I need, no matter what, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah, I'm yeah. recording, there's people that I need. There's skills that I do not have. I'm not self-sufficient. So every time I make a song, it costs yeah, me yeah, yeah. between X and Y, period. It doesn't matter sure. if I do everything, yeah, I mean, you know, I have to spend some money. Mm-hmm. I've been really focusing with this to new records so on our first records we worked with a producer and even though i sort of produced on ableton the tracks and then gave Mm -hmm. them to the producer the producer took the production credit and uh also took like 20 grand whereas this time you know there's not 20 grand to give to a producer and also i want to like challenge myself actually yeah in work like I, i'm really inspired by uh people like anton newcomb and brian jonestown massacre where it's just like he just makes cool. his records he's got to this point where he's just can make the record he wants to make and for me that's why i look to have you heard the words. new uh french project with uh with emmanuel signet the le, le p oh no i haven't i haven't cool she's cool though. it's I'll really cool yeah with anton newcomb yeah, yeah, yeah i mean i just find his sort of like um sort of 
iconoclastic attitude of just like, I'm going to make the music I want to make and fuck uh -huh. you if you don't want to hear it. Just very, very, I feel like there's only a few people who are like that in this world yeah. these days. Um, I have two so, solutions and they're not like black and white solutions. They're just lanes, you know, and, and I wrote an article on one of them and I think my preservation hall episode with Ben Jaffe the other day is the other. And, and you're basically doing, you're starting the other right now. It's patronage. You know, it's, it's just, so Ben Jaffe, have you ever been to New Orleans? No, no. We talked about we gotta, New Orleans. I yeah, we got to get you to New Orleans. I would love to host, <laughs> bring you to Preservation Hall. So Preservation Hall is start, founded in 1961. And it, basically, with, uh, we don't need to do the whole thing, but it's just like, it's the holy ground for, for jazz music and really like any, it's just the best. It's one mm -hmm. of the most special venues in the world. And um, it's a band, also a touring band. And they have existed. Uh, so mm. Ben started the foundation in um, uh, a decade ago for Hurricane Katrina because Preservation Hall does five sets a night. And it's one of the only things that pays the musicians who play there. It's just like they exist and they, this is one of the only for-profit businesses that can support them. And then Katrina came along and mm -hmm. that was just all of a sudden these people who rely on this on preservation hall specifically, that was gone. They, they you know, they was shut down. Mm -hmm. So they started a foundation for the musicians, not for cancer, not for like, you know, some, the environment for musicians. And that's been going mm -hmm. 10 years strong and, and has really kicked into high gear recently. Uh, they did a big fundraiser with Arcade Fire through uh, a carnival, a Mardi Gras crew that they started, Con Crew Carnival, uh, with right. Regine and Wynn. And they've been raising money for musicians for a while now. And it's just, it's very clearly just for that. It, it's the, the philosophy, the idea is is emboldened there in New Orleans that we need the arts and these people do not have a business model that is independently, you know, sustainable. It's, it's like in Europe when you make a film and you, you know, you can go and appeal to the government and say, Hey, can I get a grant for this? Cause it's a good film and the world needs it in America. We don't yeah, have that, yeah. but I think that, yeah, like we need to go backwards in time a little bit and put this, like, if you want this kind of thing to exist, you have to help these people out because they're going and doing mm. a thing that doesn't necessarily fit into like the paradigm of Drake universal music. Sure. And yeah, yeah, yeah. if you want it to exist, you gotta, you gotta help. Mm. And I think, mm. I think benefits are going to be a thing and Patreons mm. are going to be a thing. People just saying, yo, like I'm going to carve out a piece of my salary, like to just, get the things that I want to exist. Like I want mm. lost under heaven to have two albums out in the next 12 months. That's going to cost me $5 and 50, you know, five, five fifty five pounds like mm. a month. And, and I just, I have to do that or else mm. they're not going to, that's your, that's the, the entry price at their Patreon is five fifty five. Um, and I think we, you know, COVID-19 is going to bring a lot of that to the front and have a lot of people sure. talking about it because the realization of this, like 
what's what's weird is that you know the musicians haven't you know they've been crying but no one's really been listening about like mm-hmm. streaming doesn't do they were doing it wrong i think with people mm-hmm. ta- talking about spotify per play rates not being good enough and oh the streaming economy goes up but not forever like they're just, they're not thinking about it, right? Like Spotify is not the bad guy. Universal music is not the bad guy. They're just, they have different, they, they have different, different directives. They're mm. doing something else. Their job is not to put out brilliant, diverse music. Like that's not the idea. Their job is, they're just companies. And yeah, yeah, yeah. just respect the yeah. company for what they can do for you or nothing and go do your thing, you know, separately. And that's where the collaboration comes in. And that's a lot of like the article that I wrote the other day where, you know, I see your career expanding horizontally more than vertically. I would say Mm. just get your music Mm. to a sustainable level. Like don't expect this, you know, like to like pour marketing budget into a video and all of a sudden it's like you have a hit single. No, like fuck that shit. If that happens, cool. It's gravy, but focus on, the environmental aspects. That's a wonderful way that you communicate mm-hmm. with your audience. Focus on the filmmaking, focus on the visual art. You know, Ebony is such a beautiful mm. visual artist, like, and develop those things into financial, uh, you know, f- financially independent verticals. And then all of a sudden you have these levers to pull. I was talking to my uncle yesterday. He has a, a dance music label called Nervous out of New York. That's, that's over 20 years old. And is doing okay, even though most of their money comes from nightlife sale, you know, tickets, uh, they're doing okay because they have really good streaming numbers. They do great clothing, you know, great merch and stuff like that. And we were talking about how like mm. you can adjust. You, you have these three employees that are really focused on club promotion, but just like tell them, hey, you need to focus on this other thing now and you can sustain the business. Mm. And yeah, I, I think that, that we all need to, like the way that we patronize each other ourselves is making shit, you know? And like, I get empowered. Mm. That's where like this show comes in. For example, is like, I get empowered by this show. This show makes me a more powerful musician, a more powerful filmmaker, a more powerful, whatever, you know? So the show could make me money. Like I could get sponsorships and ads and stuff like that. So it could be a vertical that I use to go, you know, say, Hey, let's go make an EP together. I got $10,000. Let's go do it. And then boom, we have some music. It can also just be something that allows me to connect and elevate and amplify my communication. And I think we have to think about things that way where it's like return on, you know, community return on amplification, return on audience, return on communication, and then like return on investment. And we need like a diverse set of those verticals that we can like at any given time adjust and go in and out of. And like, you're going to put six months into this big project. That's going to net a bunch of money. That's going to fund the other three for the next year, stuff like that. Like we just have to be in that position Mm -hmm. when we're in this position of just like, like right now it's like, I thought that I was just going to make money DJing and that's fucked. And like, Mm -hmm. I can't, you know, that's gone. So like, thankfully, honestly, like, you know, (laughs) my parents can help me out like for the first time. And like, that's how I'm alive right now because I have a window where I have to adjust, but like the next adjustment needs to be sustainable. You know, we need to diversify ourselves. I don't think musicians can live with just that one vertical. 
Yeah, completely. I mean, this is the thing that's like with the patronage, um, you know, it's sort of, if we can get up to, what did we work out? 200 patrons, which in the scheme of things doesn't feel that many. Um, that's like covers our cost of living, you know, like yeah. that's like baseline freedom. It's like, we can just exist and we can make our, you know, self-sufficiently create, obviously then projects scale up and we find other funding. But I think there's, there's, I follow uh, Matt Dryhurst. I think he's really yeah, yeah. interesting. He talks really interesting about this. And, um, he shared the slide that I love and I keep showing to people where it's just like independent and interdependent and the two sort he, of they just launched that new podcast yeah. yeah yeah on patreon which is also an interesting thing where it's like private for patrons so you have to join up to hear it yeah so they put which, some um, of the episodes partial on spotify and apple and whatnot and then if you want the full thing it's on uh patreon yeah yeah mm -hmm. so um yeah i think this is the thing going forwards is like mutual support putting like i you know I, i'm a patron of uh devon welsh i love his music i want cool. to support him i want him to do his thing this other podcast um you know so it's like this mentality it's like i want this to exist so i'm gonna give some money i don't have very much money right now but i'm gonna give some of it to those people because i want them to continue and it's this like attitude that people need to sort of i feel like as we've had this phenomenon of you know, if you look even at music record business history, it's like we made vinyls and then we could sell uh, the same record on CDs apart from CDs were like fractional in cost to create. So we could make millions of pounds selling right. these pieces of plastic to people. And this got everyone in this state of mind where it's like, yeah, I'm a musician. I'm making, um, you know, driving my limo off a cliff, whatever. I don't know. That's not what people did. But, you know, what I mean, they threw TVs around. You know, big money, big money. And then this sort of gradually disappears over the 2000s as streaming builds and streaming becomes this thing. And it's like this, I feel like it's this reframe where people, the, the consumers got more and more stuff for cheaper and cheaper, I guess. <laughs> and the musicians got less and less money for creating it. Yeah. But the main point was like, it was an anomaly. Like it's only like this hundred year experiment in human history. Like music's existed for 20,000 years or something. I'm not exactly, but I feel like it's a long time. Um, and it's only 100 years where it's been like this commercialized music business of like musicians being this, you know, it's like a profitable thing. Be a footballer, be a, be a pop song writer. Yeah. Um, and it's like a phenomenon. Like these things, they appear and then they disappear. And like that's human history. So the question now is like, how do we readjust you know, I want to dedicate my life to creation. How do I readjust so that I can continue that path? And, um, and I feel like the way is, is people supporting, <laughs> you know, it's like the people who appreciate what you do, supporting you to carry on creating it. Um, mm -hmm. That's like the foundation of it. And without that sort of like, I feel like the thing of like reducing your overheads, becoming self-sufficient in a sense, but then also being interdependent, supporting other people, sharing spaces sharing studio spaces sharing resources like that's got to be the 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 viable future for uh, musicians community yeah. uh genuine community and everyone's like oh you know there's no community everyone's so isolated well they're particularly isolated i think now, the community's got to be cross media you know cross cross platform like yeah, yeah, and you know and, and 
poets, clothing designers, mm -hmm. you know, visual artists. Like, so I mean, that's one thing I've work together. Yeah, one thing I've always found quite um, boring about Manchester, if I can say that, is it's not a city where it's <laughs> got a diverse, <laughs> diverse scene. Uh -huh. It's not a city with a diverse scene. So, you know, like um, when I lived in Amsterdam, it was mostly I was with artists, like visualizers, uh, philosophers, like poets, like people thinking on different levels. Manchester is very music city. You know, the people mm -hmm. who are creative make music or they are graphic designers, which is like quite specific form of visual work so yeah. so yeah so so i feel like i've found community more online and in this quite fractured way you know it's like being able to speak to people like this you know that's yeah that's community to me so it's, it's building those networks as well like i've always been very like the what fugazi um ian mckay managed to create in the 90s and those like networks of kind of you need DIY to listen to the henry rollins uh cool quarantine episodes on kcrw if you haven't he put oh, two out no, so far four hours and he and he talks a lot about ian and you know they're best right. friends from growing up and he plays yeah, a bunch yeah. of ian's uh cassette recordings from like early you know 1981 the cramps or you know uh the original <laughs> he the, he plays the first uh sorry minor threat session wow. like period That's it's cool, really cool yeah i gotta check that I'm a big fan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I feel like, again, it's like you're saying, it's going back a bit. It's like looking, people have made workable models for this in the past before right. the internet was a thing. You know, it's like um, the internet is a great way of being able to show people what you're doing. But it's, it's not, for me, it's not like, uh, it shouldn't have a place in the creative process or the you know, the work in itself, you know, which sometimes at first like it does, like sometimes when we're doing an album campaign, that's that last album campaign, you start to feel like, am I like a e-commerce business trying to work out how to Facebook advertise my product? And it's like, fuck no, I'm not, but, but that's the world that you're pushed into. Yeah. All right. So we can, we can riff forever, but I wanted yeah, to, no, what, uh, what time is this? I want to, I don't even know, but I also, I want to do, uh, tell Ebony, I want to, we, we got to do the same thing. I would love to have her side of everything. Um, mm, but yeah, I yeah, wanted yeah. to ask you, um, like mental diet. You're someone who thinks a lot about this. We talked a little bit about it, like with routines and stuff, but like, what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to? That's like feeding you. Mm. yeah i mean to be honest it's kind of a, a, a lockdown uh, lockdown interest has sort of emerged but i've been getting really into like uh, people like robert bly um, martin shaw which is like the mythopoetic men's movement and just talking okay. about mature masculinity um it's this headspace i've been in at the moment is like you know cultivating the mature ego that is in 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 service of the soul rather than sabotaging the soul soul work so i've been spending time reading and researching around that um which just i don't know why it's become like quite a fascination for me at the moment i guess because it's a certain moment where you're like i ain't, ain't a silly kid no more i want to actually do something effective with myself um and then ebony and i are both things from like <laughs> mystic 
um, perspectives, but like uh, mentalism, right use of energy, um, like tantra, like stuff like this, uh, yeah. philosophy around that and then practice, which is all for me just about um, cultivating the, the, the life force that you have within you into such a way where it's focused. It isn't just um, firing out in a, directions and surprising you. Um, so, so stuff like this um, has been kind of recent. And then, yeah, I mean, meditation, I think, is foundational in anything. What's your when practice? I'm well, I learned TM in 2013, I think. Yeah, 2013. Okay. So, I, which I kind of have been doing on and off, but basically mantra-based um, meditation. Uh, I did an intense thing yesterday. We did this uh, Buddhist sort of funeral ceremony for mm. for the boy who had died, and uh, we chanted. And it sounds like I don't know. It was it was enduring it was a lot it was tough mm. had to had to really study my breath and nam myoho renge kyu nam myoho renge kyu nam myoho renge kyu nam myoho renge kyu just like for a long time it's crazy <laughs> yeah i mean this is essentially what the curtain and the bhajans i said we were doing in portugal okay. um, is like chanting mantras to music but it's essentially to do very very simple they're all like grunge songs they're like two or three chords really, oh, wow. really like sludgy um and it's really intense you know like that's what i was saying it's like opens your heart fills your eyes full of tears and gives you this sense of like power that is is uh beyond kind of you go places yeah it becomes physical yeah 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 so i mean yeah so we do do that kind of thing uh quite regularly as well um, actually, I've been putting together an album of my favorite bad jams, which I may or may uh, not release, patron only release, probably. Well, that's a um, great, I, I totally support that. I think that's, you know, the way that you said when you get to 200, you're going to put out your, uh, your, your meditation. Like, I, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that mm -hmm. idea. That, that's why, like, this to me, you know, T with SG is the title. It's like, uh, I started serving tea. I'm huge into tea. And, you know, you guys, came, I was so happy you guys came over for tea one day. And, um, like, <laughs> I started serving tea at my nightclub events. And instead of, like, tea on it, in my bigger events, we had a whole room. And, you know, for me, the thesis behind Reunion, th those events, and also this, is, like, I think the people who are into your music are also going to be into tea, are also going to be into the films of, uh, later today, I have Isabel Sandoval. And, you know, Michael Weiss's music yesterday. And like, I think it's, it's ideas, it's connecting mm -hmm. on these, these influences and these practices. And that's mm -hmm. why I think, yeah, like, you're just as interesting, like, for meditation reasons as, as like telling a story about woo life, you know, mm -hmm. like, it's all, it's all part of the same, same world mm -hmm. that we build for ourselves. Mm -mm -mm. which i think also you talked to me about a bunch when we were together in new york but it's just this sense of uh like interdisciplinary like just being yourself in all the multifaceted aspects yeah. not trying to be i am this thing 
you know limiting yourself to this is what i do it's like i do many many things and they all feed into this one presence um right you know people have heard my songs but um well some people have heard my songs but you know what i mean it's like yeah. it's like actually and this is something i'm becoming more and more comfortable with because over these years i've basically just been doing one thing music with occasional videos that ebony makes the visual for it's like mm -hmm. expression vision and music but just really and that's something that patrons been very uh rewarding in is just expressing yourself and people yeah getting something from it and it's like you know like the way that you youtubers exist now it's like you know people doing gardening videos have as many views as like the latest upcoming band yeah. you know just putting videos about making their pots you know it's like expressing but just so like kanye broke this you know like kanye broke the idea of like oh i like your music so i would maybe like your clothes you know and like mm -hmm. so for you it's like i like your music so maybe i would pay attention to your meditation practice mm -hmm. like whatever went into your music oh there's meditation practice that's associated with that i'm interested in that that's a mm -hmm. fact that's a thing that's a real genuine feeling so your patreon where you're putting out these demos and stuff and you're exposing like that's one lane, but like, I think the rest of it, what's really exciting is, and I got this from early days of like being exposed to you as an artist of like, I want to know what this person is like. That's why it's such a pleasure that, you know, I've said this to you too many times that like, I'm so happy that we're, you know, we're, we're, we're friends and mm -hmm. I'm just interested in you and Ebony as people. I like talking to you as people and if you tell me you're reading some book, like, like I check it out and that's how art works. I think because all of that stuff goes into the song and you hear this song that you like and it came from something and you can go, you can go on those threads. And that's what is so exciting about the internet today is like, mm -hmm. you don't have to just communicate with your audience by just like an album on Spotify. Now you have all these outlets and you can be, all these different things and yeah and that i mean that is rich and deep and beautiful yeah. you know like that is such a, a amazing time to be alive within so you know i think it's it's a really exciting moment because everything's to play yeah. for you know we've got like a 10-year period where we sort of need to transform everything or we it's really gonna be do. so it's like everything's everything's to play for well let's fucking do it man <laughs> mm -mm, let's do this <laughs> Yo, thank you so much for for your time, for your your shares, your being, you know, open with a lot of stuff that I know is is emotional. Mm. And, you know, obviously thank you for all the work you do. Um, that's what I think like this next chapter is, is like realizing all the stuff that went into those songs is just as valuable as the songs. Mm. And we need to start delivering it in a way we need to figure out what that system is and it's going to be different for each one of us and what's so cool is that's okay because yeah, yeah, everything yeah. is everything is gonna adjust to us <clears throat> well yeah man well thank you thanks for doing this it's been uh send my love to ebony and yeah I do. i'll tell you her so you much. should get her on i'd like I, to hear what she tell, says would let's do let's do like uh weekend like end of this yeah, week yeah. weekend whenever she's right. free <laughs> would love to I'll friday something like that all right, man. All right, man. Yo, be safe Stay and uh, we'll talk. Love. Adios. Bye-bye.